This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 234. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman. Tonight, flying solo as I record this brief introduction for today's, or tonight's, episode. This is uh, kind of actually late in the evening on uh, Saturday here. Uh, getting to this a little bit later than intended. But I'm super excited to present to you this episode. It's actually a pre-recorded interview that Jacob and I had the privilege of doing at the interannual meetings with a very special guest. And I'll introduce him in just a moment. But first, I do need to mention that today's episode is brought to you by Guardian Nation. <laughs> Long-time listeners, you're probably sick of hearing it, but uh, you are not a member of the nation. Why not? I ask you, I implore you to ask that question of yourself right now. Why not? Uh, we've got some really exciting things coming up here very soon. First of all, this next Wednesday, June 20th at uh, 7 p.m. Mountain Time, we will have our usual, our monthly Guardian Nation live broadcast. And this month's guest is Eric Frohart, former Navy SEAL, owner of a firearms range, and he is the director of training. Uh, I can't remember the exact title. I think it's director of training and education at the NRA, specifically the NRA Carry Guard program that he's heavily uh, involved in. And uh, we'll, we'll look, we look forward to diving into things with him and asking him some questions about uh, everything going on over there at the NRA with its training division um, and the Carry Guard program which has been, start, it's starting to get some, some pretty good traction uh, from what I've seen recently. So um, that's coming up on June 20th, 7 p.m. We'll also be interviewing live. You can join us on Facebook at 5 p.m. Mountain Time for a podcast interview with uh, Eric. But the 7 p.m. event is for Guardian Nation members only, and it's a pretty cool deal. If you've never participated in one of these events before, check it out this month. But you do need to be a, a member of Guardian Nation. And of course, it comes with so many other benefits as well. One of those great benefits is that on, on I don't remember the exact date that it starts. Uh, we'll get that published here pretty soon. Uh, but around the, the 4th of July, Independence Day, we run an annual Happy Birthday America sale, which is open to Guardian Nation members. Uh, and there are some crazy good deals. It's just one of the ways we get back to our members by giving you the opportunity to get some great gear at extremely low prices. And some of these things will be 75% off. We basically have some door busters that are just going to knock your socks off. So look forward to that. Uh, like I said, we'll announce some more specific details here in just a few days as far as when that sale begins. And uh, we'll give you some teasers as, as far as some of the products that uh, you can get your hands on during that sale. Uh, we're giving away a gun that'll be custom designed, built, uh, Cerakoted. It's going to be awesome. Uh, we did the same thing last year. It's looking like this will be an annual tradition. So uh, I'm excited to see what this year's gun will look like. I know it's going to be great. So uh, if you purchase anything during that Happy Birthday America sale, you are automatically entered into the, the giveaway for that. You have a chance to win that gun. Today's episode is also brought to you by the Triple Guardian courses that Matthew Marister and I are teaching in Cincinnati, Ohio in the month of July. Hope you'll join us there July 13th to the 15th, I believe are the dates. 
Uh, it's going to be a great class. We've already got several awesome students uh, signed up, including one of our instructors who's uh, uh, he's been a longtime instructor in our instructor network, and he's looking to become also an instructor of this Guardian curriculum. And so he'll be joining us there as well. So uh, anyway, that'll be fun. You can learn more and get signed up today by going to concealedcarry.com forward slash Ohio Triple Guardian 2018. Hope to see you there. Anyway, so one last mention, though, would be two special, actually two special mentions, uh, one of which will be part of my introduction of today's interview guest. But first of all, we want to make an honorary sponsor of today's episode, Fioki Ammunition. We were honored and privileged to have Fioki invite us into their booth at the interannual meetings and exhibits, and it was awesome. We did a number of interviews while we were at the show there from the Fioki booth. So thank you to Fioki. Thank you to Buell over there at Fioki. And Buell actually was an honorary co-host of the podcast on a yet-to-air episode, <laughs> which I believe will be released next week. So that'll be pretty exciting. So I look forward to that because that was a fun time with Buell. Anyway, so today's episode, I'm pleased now to introduce to you, was done with Spencer Keepers of Keepers Concealment. Uh, some of you, chances are, may, maybe haven't heard of Spencer, but if you haven't, uh, you need to get outside more because I'll tell you what, Spencer is an up-and-coming uh, instructor. Uh, he makes some phenomenal holsters. Been doing that for several years now. Uh, many who's who's in the industry uh, know what is up with keepers concealment holsters, especially if you carry in the appendix position. Uh, they have, they are well regarded and known to be some of the most comfortable holsters in the industry uh, for the appendix carry position. Spencer knows his stuff. He knows what he's doing. He specifically uh, instructs people. Uh, I mean, number one, he's a heck of a shooter. I've seen some phenomenal stuff from Spencer and that guy can shoot. Uh, he is posting up some pretty amazing times on some very popular drills. Uh, he does all this, of course, from the appendix position. So he spends a lot of time teaching people how to effectively carry in the appendix position, how to do it right, uh, some tips and tricks for doing so. And guess what? He does all this, and he is not a little boy. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Spencer is a, he is a good sized boy. Uh, and uh, that's what I think is so amazing about Spencer because he instills, I think, a lot of confidence uh, in others that go through his classes and hopefully that listen to this episode today to be able to carry in the appendix position. That's not, if, that, if that's something you are interested in, not everybody is, and that's okay. Uh, but if it's something that you're interested in or you're at least open to the idea of trying, I hope that you'll consider or at least listen to Spencer, what Spencer has to, has to tell you and teach you to, in today's episode. Uh, maybe you can make one of his classes, upcoming classes. I know he, and he travels a little bit too. Uh, other ranges host him for some training around the country. Uh, hopefully you have a chance to make one of his courses, but at the very least, listen to what he has to tell you in today's episode as far as how to be effective carrying the appendix position, increase comfort, do it the right way, uh, be safe while doing it, all this stuff, especially in light of the recent video that I know has been floating out there of the guy that somehow shot himself uh, carrying the appendix position. Yeah, so anyway, Spencer's got some really good uh, things to discuss as it relates to that. So 
I don't want to delay any further. Uh, I guess I should mention that you know Spencer is the proprietor of Keepers Concealment, makes some great stuff, teaches some great classes. So we'll make Keepers Concealment also a special honorary sponsor of today's episode. And we thank Spencer for joining us uh, today. So let's go ahead and queue up that interview audio now in three, two, one. So we're back at the Fiocchi booth at the, the NRA Annual Meetings 2018. And uh, so we thank... Pro- Profusely, I'm, I'm, I'm going to barf over this table in my gratitude to Fiocchi Ammunition for hosting us for uh, two days now at the show, which is just fantastic. And we are now doing our final interview of the show, which we are very pleased to have Spencer Keepers from Keepers Concealment on the program. Honored to be here. Thank you, sir. Honored Welcome, to be sir. Here. So, and you know, to throw Fiocchi a bone, I use a bunch of their ammo. Um, so really happy to be here with those guys as well. So, nice, man. They've been very gracious. Yeah. Now, Spencer, here's my first thing. How in the world did you get so lucky to have a last name that just worked so well as a holster brand name? <laughs> Paulson you know, Holsters sounds stupid. Yeah, but Keepers? Yeah. Uh, right? I, I, I don't really know, actually. And uh, there's a funny story behind how the keeper of our kind of flagship appendix holster got named. Uh, I was talking to Craig Douglas from Shivworks, yep. and uh, Craig and I are, are friends, and I've taken a lot of Craig's classes and hosted him over the years, and uh, he's been a big mentor of mine to, to expand our company and my training company a, as well. And uh, so Craig was over at the house, and I'd shown him this holster, and he'd had some input on a few, you know, like T&E holsters along the way, and we were really starting to look at what does it really take to make a good appendix holster, especially for a guy that's Craig size? You know, if you know Craig, he's kind of a smaller guy, yep. uh, you know, really narrow in the hips. And uh, yep. Craig wanted to carry a 17 or 19. And so we were we were talking about that. And uh, so I, I came up with a holster, you know, the, and uh, I was like, nah, I just don't know what to name it. And he's like, you got to name it the keeper. And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, dude, I, I can't I can't do that because. You know, for now 49 years, I've had folks walk up to me or when I show them my ID or something like that, they'll look at me and go, oh, I bet you're a keeper. <laughs> so I, you're tarnished. I've, I've never heard that one before. You yeah, know, yeah you're, you're done with that. I, I appreciate that. And Craig was like, you have to call it the keeper. And I'm like, okay. Fine. And I, I'll, and, t- uh, I'll deal with it. And well, he I'll- he has now named three uh, the Keeper, the Keeper Light, and the Errand. Uh, and the Errand was just like, when we were talking about the, the concept, um, I wanted to call it the throw-on. And he was like, no, dude, don't do that. And I'm <laughs> like, okay. And so we just talked through that, uh, this was another time, what the holster was really for. And he was like, you got to call it the Errand. Yeah. And that, and you're I was going like, out oh, to run you're going to run out. On. You've came home, you've taken all your stuff off. You know, you're chilling out around the house. For me, I'm typically in sweatpants, you know. And, you know, your daughter or son or, you know, wife or whatever, you realize I've got to get up and go someplace and run an errand and buy something. You know, and so many of us aren't going to put the time to put all that stuff back on. Um, And I know no one has ever done this before. Just like, okay, I'm just running to the store and back. I'll be fine and not take a gun. Right. No, no, no that's, that's that, never happened. Yeah, that's never, ever happened in the history of people carrying guns. <laughs> so we wanted, we wanted a holster that, 
was for the small single stack nines or 380s that you could just put on quickly um, and, and go run that errand that worked with, uh, you know, sweatpants or gi pants or, you know, gym shorts or something like that. And uh, so that's what we come up. So it's kind of a funny cool. story on how that yeah, how that came and, to be. And, and so. I love hearing that Craig Douglas was involved in that. And I'll tell you what, if Craig Douglas told me to do something, I, I'd listen to him. Oh, right. <laughs> I might I mean, call he, him for our next product name. You know, he, uh, <laughs> I, and it was kind of funny when, when, he was, when, when he said that, I was like, oh, duh. Uh, <laughs> and he was like, dude, this is what I do. I'm like, I, and you're good at it. <laughs> you know, that is a... He is the baddest little man around. I mean, yeah. he's just, uh, you know, done some a bunch of force-on-force force evos with him and and now actually help him do the the force-on-force force part of the uh, EDP class, establishing a dominant paradigm that him, uh, Tom Givens, and William April does in Oklahoma every January at the BDC gun room in Shawnee. Nice. And uh, so... Uh, uh, this last year, I was demoted to cameraman because I started a different. We video each evolution, sure. so I started a little different um, technique on doing that. And Craig was like, "That's that's your job now." And I'm like, "I don't get to, I don't get to shoot anybody with Sims." I'm really disappointed <laughs> right now. You know? yeah. But someone's got to hold the camera. Some it really came down to the the video was more important. So, sure, yeah, sure. So that's what we got. Nice. So, oh, good stuff, man. Now, so. Spencer, you, where I think a lot of people are coming to know you, if they don't know you already, uh, is you're the appendix carry guy. That uh, that you, that seems to be the case. Yeah, uh, uh, I've been able to train, luckily, with guys like Todd, the late Todd Lewis Green, yeah, and Ernest Langdon, who are big appendix carry guys, and <clears throat> really take that and start making a science out of. Yeah, uh, and I think that's kind of what separates me from some of the others. Yeah, in, in, yeah. as far as dependent care. Well, well, I appreciate that you don't make any uh, compromises there, because you know a lot of companies that make holsters, for example, they're they're going to make a holster for everybody for everything, and uh, you know that's that's not your game. You know, no, you're like, hey, I have very. No. This is we we have a we we're trying to solve one very specific problem for what we think should be done and so this is what we're going to put out there right yeah. and the right. same thing is true of your training too we were talking about training here a minute ago and you said something effective hey you know i get that there's a lot of people carry strong sides so we'll we'll deal with that but you even with your training are really focused around appendix carry because because yes. there's you have good reasons why right yeah my appendix carry skill class is all about learning how to live with a gun on your body um, you know, not, not obviously not 24 seven. Uh, but if that becomes the case, like a doctor friend of mine, I just ran into, uh, here at the show, he came up to me and he was like, dude, I spent 27 hours and some minutes, you know, on duty carrying your holster. Um, so, you know, thank you. Cause it, it was there, had mm. any, the need arrived, I had mm. a gun on me that I could get to quickly. Uh, but yet I was able to go through, you know, almost a 28-hour shift um, yeah. comfortably. Uh, and and we sell a bunch of holsters to uh, uh, every three-letter agency out there, but uh, the Federal Air Marshals is, is one of those. And uh, those guys, I will get emails, you know, saying, look, I was on an 18- or 20-hour, 20 22-hour oh. flight, 
And while, yes, I was ready to get to the hotel and get the gun off, I didn't hate it by the end of that. So, you know, that's kind of a point, if you will, to when done properly, how comfortable appendix can be. Yeah. Sure. Uh, you know, if done incorrectly, it's 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 from Satan. Yeah, you know, yeah it's just yeah. horribly I uncomfortable. I well know that. Uh, but if done correctly, uh, mm. it it's just very comfortable. Mm. Um, now, so. folks, if you can't tell just by listening to Spencer's voice, he's not exactly a little dude. <laughs> Wait, no, 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 hold on, hold on. So you're saying that from someone's voice, you can tell? How, so, oh, come on, he's got this. Uh, you know, uh, Craig Douglas and me back in the day. <laughs> right. I, I don't think that's very fair, Riley. I think right. you are judging people prematurely based on their voice. But it's true. Spencer is not is not Jacob. Yeah, I, I'm I am not a a little guy. Even though, as I look around the show, I'm like, dude, look, did you see that guy? You know, he's like six six and you know four eighty or something. And I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm a small guy. And I hate to say that anymore. At six two and roughly. You know, about two ninety five now, or or so. Uh, that I'm becoming a more averaged guy. <laughs> so may, maybe that's good. It's <laughs> good for you, right? Yeah. yeah, maybe the doctors will get off my case a little bit. You know. Yeah. So. But, but there is definitely a stigma around. Well, there's a lot of stigmas around appendix carry, but the, there is. But Riley, you mentioned size, and that's an interesting place to start uh, because, and I'll admit, I fall into this. Um, I'm a, I'm a skinny dude. Right. And so for me, I almost struggle with appendix because I'm too skinny. Uh, I'm carrying right now in the appendix position, but I got a very small gun. I'm carrying a Glock 43 right now. And so for me, I've run into some struggles with larger guns because I'm almost too skinny. But there's definitely also the stigma on the reverse end of, well, I'm a big dude. I got a gut. Big guy, I can't what, carry My gun's appendix. not going to go there. Right. You, know, what, you know, sorry, I'm, I'm going to stick at 4 o'clock. Uh, so, so talk through, you know, you hear that crap all the time. Right. What, you know, how do you respond? What do you say? Right. So for the, uh, you know, for the thin guys and gals out there, uh, <clears throat> you need to find a holster that will, will accommodate that. And, and um, if you look at, for, for appendix in general, whether you are a, a skinny guy or gal or a big guy like me or, or even bigger, Two of the primary things that you want to look for in a holster is ride height and cant adjustment on that holster. Uh, everybody's built on an oval, uh, and that oval is different for everyone. Then you start adding factors like fitness levels. Um, you start adding pant fit and shirt fit and belt tension. There's so many factors that go into that. So you need a holster that is adjustable uh, so that you can find where it fits on your body comfortably. For appendix, that is typically uh, in the glenoiled fold, as my doctor buddy just told me. That is from the crease in the leg to the important parts in the middle. Uh, The holster gun combo needs to fit in that wedge, if you will. Typically, the more narrow the holster is, the better, so that it fits in that spot. Or if your pants ride height, the, the, your waistline is high enough, uh, there's a lot of holsters out there now that, that are kind of, uh, 
you know, oval shaped, if you will, the, the beginning of an oval, uh, and they allow a gun to fit more center line um, and above all the important parts. So if you can find a holster that works for you and your body type, that's great. The problem with a lot of those holsters is they're made for one particular oval. And if your body isn't that, you know, if it doesn't meet that that shape, well, then that holster is not going to work for you. Sure, sure. So, yeah. um, uh, and then, you know, going back, ride height and cant is, is paramount on what you need the holster to have. Uh, then you can start looking at, do I, do I need a holster with, with a wedge that takes and tucks the butt of the grip into the gun? Or do I need a holster with a claw that kind of does the same thing? And uh, while, you know, I'm a holster manufacturer, uh, my wife runs the holster business and, and uh, my buddy Parker Greenlee manages it. <clears throat> um, and that allows me to focus more on the training side of it, which I'm a far better trainer than I am holster builder. Um, what that allows you to start, start doing is then start understanding the type of holster you need so that you can start looking at different holsters saying okay well this one has these features and this one has this feature and and now based on knowledge i i know this will probably be a better holster mm-hmm. uh when i do my appendix carry skill class uh, i take a big bag of holsters with me and lay them out on the table and we spend a couple hours talking about holsters and 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 again how to live with the gun because that's what it really comes down to uh, is having the gun on you when you need it, mm-hmm. um, uh, and and I cannot I cannot stress that enough. You know, I think it's I think it's so cool that we're in a big show like this, and everybody well not everybody unfortunately there are a lot of people walking around with guns on them, yeah. and I I feel as safe as I could ever be. You know, yeah, uh, yep. Um, <clears throat> so. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's true. that's you know that's a few of the things to start looking at for appendix carry, and it 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 really does get complicated to try and make it work for everyone because you know there's again there's there's the way your clothes fit can have a have a great impact on appendix. That's something that probably took me the longest to figure out is you know I I you know I put a holster on and I'm think man this is great this feels comfortable. And the next day, I would have the same holster on, and I would be like, I don't know what's wrong, but this is not as comfortable as it was the day before. And it took me a while to realize, well, it's because of the pants. I put a new set of pants on, and those pants didn't fit quite the way the other ones did, and they Mm. put a little pressure on the bottom of that holster and then pulled that into my body. And I was like, oh, okay, so now... You know, and then and and another thing with with appendix um, belt tension is key. That's mm-hmm. one of the other big elements of it. Uh, I'm a big fan of the infinitely adjustable belts. Yeah. There's a bunch of good Same. ones on the market. Um, and interestingly enough, uh, you carrying appendix, you don't need that stiff of a belt. Uh, what what I have found in some of the other uh, primary appendix carry guys uh, like Dark Star Gear has found is 
you don't need a real stiff belt for that. Uh, and in fact, it can actually cause some of the features in the holster not to work. Um, so, but infinitely adjustable is, is a big key for that. Um, if you look at a, you know, a traditional gun belt, uh, that's a leather, you know, thick leather gun belt, you're going to have hole spacings roughly every inch. Right. Right. So what I can tell you is it's either going to be too tight or too loose almost all the time. It's seldom going to fall into that. Uh, I do a little demo where I you know, have my belt on like I have it on now, and I'll loosen it one finger width, you know, so roughly half to five-eighths of an inch, and you will start to see the gun print just from that small amount. So when you when you're start talking and you start adding those smaller guys or the bigger guys, that belt tension really starts to matter. I mean, just small amounts of that. Sure. Uh, and then, and then going into the to the what makes it work for the bigger guys is the length of the holster. You need more. You need more length than you would um, when you than you would typically think. Uh, longer is better for appendix right up to the point until it's it's too long. Uh, we and we see that all the time with with folks that'll think, well, I want to, you know, I'm, I'm going to try and carry appendix, so I want a small, short gun. The problem with that is, is now you have more gun above the belt line than below, like, say, with a Glock 26, sure, right? Sure, So what that does is you start, especially if you've got a little bit of gut like I do, um, you start, that gun starts to get pushed out by that, and it'll roll out easily. Then it creates a real hot spot right, you know, right where that point is, where the muzzle is uh, on that gun. If you take that same gun and put it in a 19 or 17 length uh, holster, uh, that spreads that surface area out so you have more, more weight distributed, if you will, over that larger surface area. And then you get a much comfortable, yeah. you know, more comfortable carry because you don't have that one spot that you're getting heat from. Yeah. Uh, and, and we, we see that, that very common. Yeah. So. Well, I would love to hear uh, you talk through a little bit about what's different in the response. You know, what, talk, thinking about a little bit more training now. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, if me and Riley showed up to your class and I was carrying strong side and Riley was carrying appendix, what are the core things that are going to be different about the way you're going to train with Riley in the appendix position versus the guy who carries strong side? So when you start looking at the draw stroke from strong side versus appendix, uh, what we do is, if you're familiar with the two uh, position, if you look at a typical you know, four-step draw stroke process sure. that's primarily being taught from strong side, you know, step one will be clear the cover garment, establish grip on the gun in the holster, uh, and that will typically have your offside hand someplace high center chest. Yeah. We want that hand there so that it's safe or that it's helped clear the cover garment. Yep. From strong side, you're going to draw the gun up, which is commonly referred to as the two, which will be straight up out of the holster, and you'll have your thumb base uh, near your pectoral muscle in, you know, what's what's commonly referred to as a, a thumb pectoral index. 
from there, you're going to roll the muzzle up. You're going to roll it around your pack. You're going to meet your hands in the middle to the three, if you will. And then you're going to push the gun out to the, to the four. Pushing the, I, I typically say push the front sight to the target. That's, uh, I, I like that kind of push out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, acquisition on, t- on the sights is good. Right, on, on that. So, so strong side, that becomes a four-step process. For appendix, it cuts the two out. So you're actually moving the gun less. So from appendix, I'm going to clear the cover garment, get a full grip on the gun in the holster. I'm going to draw the gun up so that it's underneath my dominant eye. My hand uh, support hand is now going to drop that cover garment. I'm going to meet those two hands and then push the gun out, you know, on that eye target line. So I cut one step of that yeah. out. By doing that, I can just immediately, you will save anywhere from, you know, a quarter to a half, maybe even three quarters of a second because you cut that movement out. Yep. Speed is economy of motion, yep. right? So the less I have to move, the faster that movement will be. Right. 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 Absolutely. So, um, so that's the advantage, like one of the quick advantages of appendix over strong side. It's yeah. just faster to get the gun into motion. Um, what the, the difference would be, I'm going to teach the same, the same grip, uh, the same, uh, you know, presentation to the target from where the hands meet, um, I would teach a different cover garment clearance uh, strong side than, than I would appendix. Sure. Uh, for appendix, I use, if I have two hands, I'm going to use two hands to draw the gun. Uh, and I think this is pretty common. I know there's some trainers out there that, that they, they teach a, a little bit different stuff, and I respect their opinion greatly. Uh, but if I have two hands, I'm going to use two hands to draw the gun. So I'm going to clear the cover garment with my support hand, get a grip on the gun, bring the gun up. And an important piece when you're drawing from appendix using two hands is you need to get the gun higher than the cover garment. Sure. Uh, if not, what will happen, I have seen this happen on the line several times, guys will get the cover garment really high, They'll drop the cover garment, and they'll either muzzle their hand going back to meet, or they will. The cover garment will actually end up resting on their thumb that is now high, so that the other hand will meet. And as they push that out, they'll end up with their shirt hung on their strong, strong side thumb, uh, and that's really bad on the good bad scale. Sure, you know if if you're drawing a gun to save your life, that that really is a bad thing. Uh, and I've seen that, yeah. you know, time and time again. And that's where that comes from. So, yep. um, uh, strong side, um, I, I, I like to use my strong side hand to clear the cover garment. Uh, so I'm just a little slower uh, getting that first round off coming from strong side. Some of the, some of the other benefits to appendix is it's far more comfortably done correctly to sit uh, than it is strong side and uh, I would have never believed that until I actually started experiencing it. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, um, you know you think about how much time we spend 
seated, seated yeah. you know, yeah. uh, it's really important for me to be able to get to the gun from that position. We just want to say thank you. And uh, uh, we, uh, uh, when you're in a car, uh, all I do for that is I take, put my seatbelt on, I'll reach underneath the seatbelt, and I grab my cover garment and blouse it out yep. over the so, top of so the seatbelt. Yeah. So now the gun is easily accessible, and my draw stroke doesn't change. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, uh, so I think I think that's a big advantage yeah. of appendix. From a uh, weapon retention standpoint, ah, this is where we, we had to go. From from a weapon yeah. retention standpoint, and, and interestingly enough, this is another part where the ability to cant the gun comes into play. Uh, my good friend and mentor uh, Cecil Birch from Immediate Action Combatives, uh, he uh, he talks about the ability to adjust the cant so that the the uh, gun is typically a little muzzle forward, which that's where I I like mine as well. Having the gun a little muzzle forward uh, in appendix helps a lot. Um, but what he talks about is now the ability to kind of roll your rib cage over where mm. the gun is and it mm. helps yeah. protect the gun in that close quarter kind of fashion. Sure, sure. Now Cecil is a black belt uh, in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu under uh, Megaton Diaz um, and he rolls with a, with a blue gun on in his normal holster that he carries um, and when he's rolling against other black belts He's able to protect the gun using, you know, that that method, yeah. and and he's the guy. Him, you know, obviously Craig Douglas, uh, Paul Sharp, Larry Lindemann, you know, that Shivworks cartel, if you will. <laughs> those are the guys to go train with that stuff. That's yeah. not my Watch that weapon retention is their game. Right. That's not my specialty. My specialty is is yeah. now Spencer, past that. I can, I can see you rolling around in some car, dude. Just you know. oh. <laughs> I, I, I have done that, and I, I I greatly enjoy that. The problem is my body hates me, and it breaks, it breaks easily. Apparently, you know, I was just I was just talking about my uh, you know my replacements that I that I just had, and yeah. uh, um, uh, so I spent about the last four years getting fixed, if you will. So I'm I'm anxious yeah. to, uh, to get back to, to get back yeah. into yep. the game now, yep. and uh, yeah, but. Yeah, from from weapon retention standpoint, appendix does offer some advantages. Um, and any time that you can put your tools, you know, I carry I carry a clinch pick based off uh, Craig Douglas's work, and uh, uh, and we make a sheath for that. Uh, mm-hmm. But anytime you can get your tools in front of your hips, they're just easier to get to totally. and to protect and to protect. Yes, yeah. in just about any position. Yep. I um, so agree. Uh, here's, let's address maybe some of the concerns with appendix, Carrie. Uh, okay. Obvious one, because anytime anybody writes an article, posts a video, the number one comment, you're you gonna, know where I'm going you're is, gonna shoot your you're going to shoot your junker. Right. Don't carry it there. Or, or, don't, or, or don't put it around in the chamber right. you know, or something, yeah, something yeah. like that. Right. Or, yeah. Right. So yeah. when we talk about safely holstering a gun, everybody starts harping on appendix. Um, the problem is I see more violations in classes and it matches and stuff like that yes. from strong side folks. Totally. Uh, they muzzle typically their leg 
Well, interestingly yeah. enough, if, if you think about being in a, in, in a match, all right, let's just say we're going to shoot USPSA. Hey, you got your holster outside the waistband, strong side. What I see is guys will load and make ready, and they'll take the muzzle straight back to the holster, thus covering their leg. Yeah. Now, here's, here's the thing my, my buddy Marshall Chuck Haggard talks about. Uh, I've seen him do some ballistic demos. 115 grain anemic 9mm ball ammo will penetrate roughly 32 inches of ballistic gelatin. Yeah. Okay. So if you muzzle the top of your leg going back into the holster, interestingly enough, your femoral artery is still there. It's just now on the other side. But if 9mm ball will penetrate that much ballistic gelatin, it will absolutely go through your leg right through your femur, right through your femoral artery. So it's not any safer, if you will, to holster that way and muzzle yourself. Yeah. You know, right. You know, muzzling is muzzling, not muzzling is not it, muzzling. It, it, does, and, uh, it doesn't matter. You know, if you yeah. point a gun at yourself, it's bad. Yep. With, with appendix, it puts the holster up front so it's actually easier to see for a lot of folks. Yeah. And if you'll simply... Standing up with appendix, if you'll simply drop your strong side foot back, bow your hips forward, uh, and I teach that to be, you know, very progressive, if you will, uh, and then look the muzzle of the gun straight into the holster, you're not, you're not covering yeah. any part of your body. Really? Yeah. Now, uh, one of the other things that I, I, I am now a huge advocate of, uh, and, and I have been for years, but my transition to the double single guns, uh, you know, through Ernest Langdon and Langdon Tactical mm-hmm. with the with the PX4 compact carry and now the the 92 Elite uh, gun, which I got to shoot last weekend. By the way, it is amazing. Nice. Um, I have a full house uh, Beretta 92A1 on now that that Langdon did for me, and it's an amazing gun. Yeah. The the new gun is is even that much <laughs> better. Um, I shot it on Wednesday, uh, late one Wednesday evening at the Wilshire Gun Club. Ernest was there doing uh, a little class for them. And uh, I got to shoot the, the prototype uh, 6 a.m. Monday morning. Now back at my real job, I'm on my phone ordering a gun. So. Sure, there's your testimonial. But the, the thing there is, is you can take and put your thumb on the back of the hammer yeah. on a DASA gun. And now you positively control yeah. the trigger mechanism. Sure. So even if there was something that got in the way of the, the gun going in the holster, a draw cord or, you know, something like right. that, um, if, if it was to push against the trigger, you would feel it You're in the hammer. And if you put just a little bit of pressure on there, you defeat the leverage of the trigger m- multiple times over. Sure. Uh, I, you know, I, I do a demo where I hold a uh, clear gun, obviously. Uh, I hold the back of the, the hammer and try and press the trigger with, with as much hand strength as I have, and you can't even make the hammer move. Yeah. So versus a striker-fired gun where, you know, a lot of them have tension on the striker already. Um, yeah. You know, going back in the holster. But if you have that, and I, I have shot a Glock for years, if you have that, I don't think it's uh, an, an issue at all as long as you bow the hips forward. 
super strong side, I'm going to do the same thing, but different. I'm going to bring my strong side leg in, yeah. and I'm just going to roll my hips right, if you will. Yeah. So now I'm pushing the holster away from my yeah. body. Yeah. Um, and reholstering again literally is the most dangerous thing yeah. we'll ever do with it. Yeah. And and we we should be doing that a lot if we're yeah. out training. Uh, and taking classes and practicing, which I hope people yeah. are. So I see. I think a, a more dangerous thing that I sometimes see is guys going back to their holster, particularly strong side, uh, or IWB in the 4 o'clock position even, and they're getting back there, and they will angle the gun inward to the body as yeah. they're trying to they're, find that holster. Kind of, yeah. yeah. Uh, that, with their every time I see that, oh, man, yeah. I, I yeah. get the heebie-jeebies. Yeah, yeah. You know? it just... It just <laughs> And and somehow or another, I, I see it like you do time and again. It's like when the muzzle of the gun gets gets past our front line, if you will, yeah. gets past vision. our vision. It 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 just becomes an inanimate object, and you can do anything you want to yeah. with it. And that's not the case. Yeah. Um, you know, if you if you're digging into your, you know, into your side, especially like with a, a hybrid holster that'll collapse. If you start to muzzle that gun inward into your body to wedge it into the holster and then turn it to push it the rest of the way into the holster, that's the most dangerous scenario Absolutely. you could have. A cross pelvic shot going into your body, um, if it's not fatal, having had a hip replacement, trust me, you will not enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, um, uh, I was at a range teaching where uh, that had actually happened, uh, and they had to med the med flight the guy out, um, and uh, he spent years recovering from that because that round hit his other other hip. side hip sure. and just demolished it. Yeah. Wow! You know, and uh, I can't even imagine uh, it. You know, uh, John Farnham I think says it best. You know, carrying a gun is carrying a gun is dangerous. No, yeah. no matter where it is. So you've got to train uh, appropriately for that. Right. Yep. So. It's all about minimizing that risk in appropriate ways. Yes. Now, another thing, too, sometimes people, I think, yeah, reholstering the gun is absolutely probably the most dangerous time as we're handling that gun. Sometimes people make mistakes when they're drawing the gun. Finger gets on the trigger a little bit early. Mm -hmm. One of the things I like in the appendix position is, I'm not going to say it's impossible to do because it's not, but I think it's really, I think it's way more difficult to get on that trigger early where the gun's pointing at your body when you're coming. Because, once again, you're shortening that distance you're covering. Right. So you have a lot less time. And by the time I get from here to here, generally that muzzle is it's, it's out, you know, three, yes. four feet in front yes. of me. That, that's one of the things, too, from appendix is as soon as the, as soon as the muzzle clears the lip edge of the holster, yep. it's out away from my body. Yep. As opposed to strong side, you'll see guys that will flag themselves yep. all the way through that draw strip. Yep. So you just have a lot more of you to cover. Yep. Uh, if they'll do the same thing, where we do it almost naturally from appendix, if you'll actually angle the muzzle out when yes. you draw uh, from strong side, that will protect you. The problem there becomes now if you're on a line taking a class sure. and you start rolling the muzzle outwards well now you're covering the dude to your your left right. or right depending yeah. on right. you know right. what hand you totally. are so um 
it it really does become a, a safety yeah. issue there. Yeah. Sure. And and un, unfortunately, um, the firearms industry has has called this appendix this newfangled carry method. We've been carrying appendix since there have been handguns. I mean, if you go back, and I have done some research on that. If you go back and look at you know actual paintings and pictures of you know pirates and old west guys sure. and stuff like that you'll see a lot of them with the gun up front it only makes sense to put it there nice. um but uh it that you know this this newfangled uh, approach i think yeah. has just gotten a lot of, of bad press because people just don't understand it yeah. and with a little bit of training uh, it can be, in my opinion, the safest way to carry a gun. Well, there's a misunderstanding, yeah. too, just inherently for people that, and maybe we're preaching to the choir here for our listeners, but sure. if the gun's in the holster, the gun is safe. Right. Assuming you have right. any and, decent and, sort of holster whatsoever. Right. And, so and, and every, a lot of people yeah. don't understand that. Yeah, because everything uh, we've said is sort of inherently there's an assumption there which is that you don't have a piece of crap holster and therefore right. once the gun yeah. is in the holster it doesn't matter yeah really and yeah. and the other thing that i would talk to there is uh so many of these new trigger jobs or replacement triggers for mm, the glocks sure. and some of sure. the others um you know they defeat all the safeties that was actually built into the gun you know you hear oh well this this new Glock trigger will make it almost like a 1911. Okay. That's well, code for... That's code for run, right? Yeah. Um, so if I handed you, if I took a 1911 right here on this table and loaded around and taped the grip safety down and took the thumb safety off and I handed that gun to you and said, hey, I just come up with the best carry gun ever, what would you say? <laughs> <laughs> you're laughing because you'd yeah, say you're no crazy. Way. That's yeah, no that's way. dangerous. Well, interestingly enough, the only difference between that and some of the new striker fired guns on is you can't see that the hammer's cocked. That's that's the only difference sure. that's yeah. out there. You know. Yeah. Um, so you've got to be really careful. Again, going back into the holster, sure. you've got to sure. make sure you yeah. move your body, and that's Good that's stuff. again why I'm such a fan of now of the DASA guns, which. I kind of wanted to go there next, just to touch on that as well. Uh, you've made that transition. You're right. shooting a Beretta most of the time yes. now, right? Yes. Yeah, 92. Yes. Uh, and uh, that is kind of, you know, the DASA gun has somewhat fallen out of favor in the last 20 years. It has. Um, it has. But I'm seeing guys like you. I'm seeing a few others out there. Uh, obviously, Ernest Langdon has been rocking that for some time now. Right. Right. And uh, still just a phenomenal shooter, super fast. Like you wouldn't guess watching guys like you or Ernest shoot that that first shot is a much longer, much stiffer trigger right? than all. I mean, once you get to that single action, it's beautiful, it's great. obviously. It's great. Oh, yeah, you, you, have, yeah, you, you literally have, once you get to the single action, you yeah. literally have the best trigger there is, yeah. period. Right. But that, you know, people are obviously scared a little bit of that double action trigger right and what i see working with shooters that do shoot dsa guns is there's inconsistency from that first to that second shot sometimes big and you know right. they're missing the target that first shot right and uh, obviously you know we want to uh, not miss on that first shot yes. so so yes. tell us about shooting a double action uh, single action gun and, and kind of how that journey's been for you maybe some tips for folks okay. out there okay so uh 
you know, kind of how that got started for me was I had hosted Ernest Langdon, you know, a couple of years. I've hosted him for the last three years in a row now. Mm. And uh, watching him shoot those guns, and I'm like, because there is no part of, you know, when that first shot goes off for him, it's blindingly fast Absolutely. and amazingly accurate. Yep. Um, so I'm like, okay, you know, there's there's some secret sauce here or yeah, something. Yeah, he's got something going. Yeah, you know, he's super special or something like that. And what, and what I found is that's that's really not the case. Uh, the, th- the, th- the primary thing and the reason I didn't like DASA guns, you know, back in the day was you've on so many of them you've got this long very stiff double action trigger pull yeah it just and stacks like it mad. just stacks and all that <laughs> the the problem is you don't need that what really keeps you safe is the distance that you pull the trigger if you go back and talk to you know the cops from back in the day when they had revolvers uh, a lot of those guys only, you know, they're, they're DA revolvers, so they're only shooting a DA pull. Sure. Well, when you take that DA pull and you make it nice and slick and smooth and 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 relatively lightweight, you mean somewhere in that six pound range, mm-hmm. you have you have what's arguably the safest gun to carry. Sure. Uh, if you go back and talk to those guys, they're like, "Oh, carry a DA revolver. You don't even need to put it in a holster." I mean, how how many of you yeah. you know yep. they'll take a yep. they'll take a J frame yep. and, and throw it in their pocket totally. and, and and call that good? Well, it's because you have that long DA trigger pull. With the DASA guns, if you get them set up right, uh, you know, and again, you know, tip the hat to Ernest Langdon and Langdon Tactical, um, his trigger job in a bag for for the Bread and I two and PX four series gives you an amazing trigger that's yeah. safe to carry. Yeah. Uh, so, the the DA pull is if, if you if you think about that as you're drawing the gun and the sights start to come onto the target, I'm going to come onto the trigger and I'm going to start working that DA trigger yeah. through that extension. Now, provided my sights are on the target, yeah. and the second part of that, I have made a decision to, to shoot, shoot. Right. Yeah. So that's a two step process. Uh, I'll just roll through that in one continuous, smooth action. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I can do zero down 25-yard uh, first round sub two seconds. Uh, now, I'm not going to say that I can do that all the time. Sure. You know, but I can. Sure. A little warm-up. Uh, but a little warm-up. And, uh, you know, it, and if you take that shot and make that a two-and-a-half-second shot, which is which – is, probably master class um, that's easily doable with a DASA gun. Uh, and then you get past that that long, smooth double action, um, you know, reset the gun while it's in recoil. Yep. Uh, then you've got this nice, light, crisp single action yep. that is arguably the easiest trigger there is to yeah. shoot at speed. And yeah. it's great for splits. Uh, it, <laughs> it, it is that. Yeah, it is that. You know, uh, you, you talk about speed. Um, I, I don't mean to I don't mean to brag at all. Uh, I just hosted Ernest uh, this last weekend and uh, uh, on on Sunday evening a week ago, Ernest does the uh, nine shot close speed drill, he calls it. And you can you can yep. you know Google that and find some video of him, him shooting that. It involves three targets uh, it's typically shot left to right, 
uh, on a body shot, right to left on a body shot, and then three head shots. So it's nine rounds, one draw stroke, seven transitions, and one split. Uh, I did that in what Ernest says is a class record uh, at two, 272. That's amazing. Uh, so that's, that's, I mean, that's booking, smoking. man. Right. It, 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 it was fast, and I was bound and determined. Um, I had missed a fast coin, yet once again, uh, that fast test is, is a real hard test to do twice under five seconds. Um, uh, we did have a guy, uh, Duke, that did that. It was an amazing display of shooting. Um, uh, he's, he's a great guy. Uh, but uh, uh, that first first round to that was a 90 draw. Wow. So sub one second on a DASA gun. Yeah. So I'm not losing anything yeah. to that. No, nothing. So not, not at all. You, you can do it is the point. You can do it. Yeah. You can do it. Yeah. It uh, certainly helps to have a nice trigger job. It, it really does. <laughs> it really does. Yeah. And it really does uh, change the shootability of the gun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I'm not against that. But what I am against is taking a striker-fired gun and defeating the inherent Safety. safeties yeah. built into the gun yeah. to get a more 1911-ish trigger. Yeah. Um, I, I had a guy in a class that had uh, that had a Glock that was so tricked out. Uh, I, I was like, hey, can you mind if I shoot that? He's like, no. Uh, and I so I grabbed it and I put my finger on the trigger and the gun went off, and I'm like, "There's no take up, there was no movement, there was no nothing." I unloaded the gun and I'm like, "Dude, I hope you got a different gun because you can't use this in my class. It's it is unsafe. When you defeat Jeez. all this, all the built-in safeties, yeah. um, you're just waiting on an accident. And that's the kind of gun that will, like you talked about, oh, when it's in the holster, it's fine, and that is true, provided." that you haven't done something to your gun to take the inherent safety out yeah. of yep. it. Yep. Right. You know, if, right. if, if you've got, you know, I hate to say it, if you've got dude in the garage with a Dremel doing trigger jobs on your clock, you probably shouldn't be carrying that gun. Yeah. You know, oh, uh, you, go, you, go ta- you. you go talk to Masad Ayub, um, and he's going to say case after case after case where guys have modified their trigger that that has been brought up in court uh, so you know there again i think if you yeah uh, yeah we're doing a trigger job on a dasa gun but it's a dasa gun it's yeah. already we're not defeating uh, you know, we're, yeah. we're already having quote a harder trigger to manage than the others and and the case is it's not it's mm-hmm. just sure. it's just really not sure so wow Good stuff, Spencer. Man. Where uh, can people find information about your training, about your holsters? What's what's the best place? Uh, the place? best the best place to do that is keepers keepersconcealment.com. Um, you can get uh, most all my classes are listed on there. All the holsters are listed on there. You can email us from the website. So we're trying to keep you know that one place. One uh, yep. I do uh, I do post some live videos. I try and do that. You know, a couple times a week on Keepers Concealment, the Facebook page, uh, and then my personal page as well, or I'll share those because uh, I'm I'm really big about guys doing continued practice. Yeah, and a lot of people think, oh, you know, I need to I need to dry practice, not dry fire, dry practice, um, and it's you know I need this elaborate setup and I need to spend a bunch of time doing that. And the truth is, if you would do 
five minutes a day, you would be such a better shooter slash yep. gun handler uh, doing that four, five, six days a week yep. than you would be one so marathon like, yeah. two-hour practice session. Sure. Uh, yeah. uh, and my buddy Gabe White, uh, uh, you know, phenomenal shooter, uh, and he, he was is. he was the one that really got me onto that idea. Yeah. So I try to do. Uh, one at least, if not two or three, no more than five minutes. Because if you're doing it right at five minutes, you're wore out. Yeah. Uh, and and that's what I that's what I found. Uh, Gabe, uh, I had a little private lesson set up with Gabe and last year, and uh, uh, and so we're we're out there, and so he runs me through this little dry fire drill, dry practice drill, and uh, I'm like, all right, dude, I need a break. I'm, I am toast. I'm done. I got sweat pouring down my face. He goes, how long have we been doing this? I'm like, I don't know, 30, 45 <laughs> minutes? He goes, and he had started a timer on his phone. No kidding. We had been doing it seven minutes. <laughs> yeah. And I was toast. So so if you'll just yeah. have a spot in the house, clear your gun, or and I'm a big fan of doing it this way. I clear my gun. I set the ammo where I can see it. Uh, and I think that's really key. If I can see my ammo is out of the gun, then the gun is in an unloaded state or cleared. Mm-hmm. I then check it three times, confirm the gun is cleared. I do my dry practice. I load the gun back up, mentally say to myself, I'm loading, I'm holstering a loaded gun, yeah. right? Yeah. And then that removes the temptation to walk back into that room and go, oh, man, that last draw stroke was smoking. I bet I can beat that. And, and I had a good friend of mine. He used the same, same type of system, but he used different guns. So he had an identical gun that he dry practiced with and yeah. a gun that was loaded. So he walked into his dry practice room, drew the gun, and put the most perfect DA pull right through the center of the target that you could do. And he told me as soon as the hammer started to fire, he knew what was fixing to happen because that's when his mind caught up. Caught up. Yeah, so if yeah. you can see your ammo, yep. well, then you know. If you can't see it, well, then you know you can't draw the gun and dry practice. Yeah. That's interesting. You know, actually, so, the I've always, I guess, kind of been with, of the crowd that says, all right, remove the ammo, get put, it out of there. Put it put in it, a separate yeah. room, right? That's really interesting. Yeah. So, if But you, I see the logic. Yeah. If, if I can see my ammo, yeah. I set it in a very, you know, a very certain specific yeah. spot, um, and I can visually see it the entire time, which, again, is not long, five minutes. I, I'll set a timer right. on my phone, and, and the other thing I'll tell you, again, if you're doing it correctly – You'll you'll never be looking, thinking, oh, I'm I've gone past my timer on my phone. Yeah. You know, two minutes into it, you'll be like, man, I'm almost wore out. <laughs> sure. So, sure. Uh, nice, man. But keeping that ammo where you can see it, it really improves the safety. Because if you just if you just if you're used to not having ammo in the room. Well, then the condition of the gun can become fluid in your mind, and that's and that's bad. That's 
you know, if, if you talk to the old guys that have been doing this a long time, uh, I, and I don't know how many federal law enforcement officers I've talked to that says, you know, an accidental discharge, it, it's a matter of when, not yeah, if. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I, and I think that's the wrong mindset to have. Yeah, yeah. So. Good thoughts, man. Uh, Spencer, we thank you so much for joining us on the Concealed Carry Podcast today. Appreciate you having me. A lot of nuggets of wisdom and, and knowledge and education in today's episode. So I hope uh, folks at home listening to this or on the road that uh, you got something to take away from this. I, it's going to probably, uh, if you go back and look at it or you're just listening to it, you're probably thinking, well, it was really appendix carry heavy and all this stuff. But you're the appendix guy, and I thought we covered some really interesting points um, about that. But not only that, talking about dry practice, talking about DASA guns. That's right. not a topic. I Actually, I don't think we've really... I don't think we've ever covered ever yeah. like I mean we obviously talk about it. Sure, we reference sure. it talk about maybe differences but like just like hitting on that and talking about some of the great things that I think are out there I mean uh, Langdon Tactical is doing amazing work with those Berettas they really are um, I've seen some you know I've shot a couple uh, not owning any yet but I'm kind of not a DASA gun person or, or guy personally but I mean I own them well if you are but, you owe it to yourself <laughs> to try one because right. it we, we have to cruise I mean, out to I, oklahoma I, way I, and I, I can i can say it all all <laughs> you know till i'm blue in the face but they are amazing yeah. guns uh, nice, it man. changes the gun so much that it's just it's you take a px4 compact carry you know that mod yeah. four or five that he's done work to mm. and you take an off the shelf one it's it's not even yeah. like they're the same gun yeah so it's it's that different yeah and you're in your turn you know i remember when the px4s first came out you know and and i i had a kind of hard time you know i i could oh, see why they're too. good guns I, but like even just like the the decocker uh right. safety like it, it, right. it just yeah. yeah, like I'm not gonna put that on, yeah, on me, you no know, like way. massive wings sticking out there, just things, looking to sharp edges. you know take skin off my 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 knuckles or whatever. And, right, um, you know th- that gets replaced with a uh, uh, you know flat uh, a little stealth lever. Yeah, and the thing yep. about it is, you know, we talked uh, talked about safety and liability and all yep. that. It's all factory parts. That's right. That's it's right. all factory parts. There's not any. You know, yeah. like aftermarket special voodoo, it's all factory parts. That's a great point. So Awesome. Well, thank you again, Spencer. Yes. It's been thank a pleasure, you. sir. Pleasure being our, on. Our pleasure. We appreciate it. Appreciate you guys having right. me on. We'll see you really around. enjoyed it. Cool. And there you go. That was Spencer Keepers of Keepers Concealment. A phenomenal dude. Really, really nice guy. He was a pleasure to talk with at the show. And I was super happy to bump into him while at the show. Uh, I had... I, you know, it was funny because I went to the interannual meetings with the idea that you know, I kind of had a list of some people that I wanted to cross paths with and 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 connect with. And Spencer's someone that actually, until the show, I had not ever met personally face to face. And so, even though we we we've interacted on Facebook, we've been friends for some time. Um, and so I'm at the show, and I'm like, "It's the last day of the show," and I'm like, "Man, I I really want to bump into Spencer today. I should have sent, I should have just sent him a message, but I don't know. Every time I thought about doing it, I'd get distracted or whatever. So that third day, we walk into the show. I walk into the Springfield Armory booth. Uh, Rob Latham was doing a demonstration, so I wanted to go say hello to Rob. And right there, standing 
there also watching Rob do his thing was Mr. Keepers. And so it was awesome. And I said, dude, will you come on the podcast? And he was thrilled to do it. And we were just as thrilled to have him. So Spencer, thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed uh, listening to, (laughs) if you are in fact listening to your own episode, I hope you enjoyed it. So today's uh, episode, once again, is brought to you by Guardian Nation. Check out more at GuardianNation.com. Also, we've got the Triple Guardian course. That's three days of defensive handgun training in Cincinnati, Ohio in the in July, July 13th to the 15th. And to learn more about that, go to concealedcarry.com forward slash, what is it? It is Ohio Triple Guardian 2018. That's, that's what the link is. Concealedcarry.com forward slash Ohio Triple Guardian 2018. And then also special uh, shout out and thank yous to Fioki Ammunition for everything they've done for us and for allowing us to take over their booth for a few hours to record great interviews such as this one. And uh, so thank you very much, guys. Hope to maybe connect or do something like that with you guys again. And also a special thank you to Keepers Concealment. And I believe you can learn more at at keepersconcealment.com. So with that, it is time to wrap it up. Hope you all have a great rest of your weekend. We should be back on our normal schedule this next week. Uh, I don't anticipate having anything that comes up and derails the podcasting plans. Uh, We'll see. I've said that before. So the plan right now will be that we'll see you Tuesday at 11 a.m. Mountain Time. If you are interested in joining us on Facebook, we'll be podcasting live at that time with uh, next week's news of the week. And so with that, I will bid you all adieu and a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. A reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.